If you're a local government enthusiast who's looking for fresh conversations over a hot cup of morning coffee or tea or while you're driving or walking the dog, you do you. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Local Gov Cafe podcast, hosted by Susan Gardner and Ann Mitchell. This podcast is devoted to having conversations that matter, covering the full menu of municipal topics. You'll discover guests who bring insight and inspiration to the issues that drive and challenge communities. We'll be talking with leaders in policy, practice, consulting, and academia to put a spotlight on civic government and the people who make it all happen at the local level. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Local Gov Cafe. And tell us what's cooking in the cafe today. Good morning, Susan. This morning we have Mark Malawi in the cafe. Mark is a self-proclaimed dabbler, which I love. He has a PhD in project management, as well as a degree in theater. This makes him a creative problem solver. Mark is a teacher, writer, and critical thinker. He specializes in helping people solve complex problems and identifying their inner strategy. And today he's joining us to talk about liminal space and how the three years we spent in a global health emergency have changed the world. Welcome to the cafe, Mark. Thank you so much. Thrilled to be here again. Mark, you and I have talked previously about uh, COVID-19. It was actually probably about three years ago when we were uh, in some of the early, uh, what didn't at the time seem early days of the the pandemic, but certainly in retrospect, they they were the early days. And we talked about COVID-19 and the concept of liminal space. And so I'm so happy that we're having this opportunity to revisit that together today. And maybe to start this conversation, you could explain what the concept of liminal space means and how it relates to the experience of the pandemic. I would love to do that. And I'm totally excited to get to talk about this topic with you again. So thanks for inviting me to do so. Um, liminality is a really phenomenally useful concept. And on the surface of it, it's really simple to be able to understand because it's talking about a process of change. And it's talking about a process of change where you have a before state that's attached to your previous identity and who you were and you have a future state of where you're trying to go and you have a space in between and the liminal space is that in between space liminality is it comes from the latin word limit meaning threshold and that's a really useful image to be able to think about because being on the threshold of something as we go through our lives we move through any number of identifiable stages and we go through puberty we graduate high school we get married we get our first job we get fired for the first time we experience a death and all of those are doorways on our way through life where as we move through those, we stop being the person that we are and we start being the person that we actually become. And the thing is that a lot of those transitions were actually planned. And liminality comes, and basically liminality has its roots in anthropology. It was exploring, quite literally, rites of passages. And in particular, it was about the passage from being a child to adulthood. And 
that was often acknowledged with very specific rights. And so in looking at uh, other cultures and how that process was navigated, in many cases, children would go away from the community and go through a level of rite of passage that was about some trial or challenge or their own journey they needed to be able to go through before they actually came back to the community and were welcomed as an adult. And the key point behind liminality is that is normally a guided process. When we think about it in the context of modern society, for example, we think about the graduation ceremony and preparing to leave high school and go off to university or to go out into the world. We think about the process of, if you're religious, being confirmed. We think about the process of even if you're not religious, getting married. And there's a preparatory process that happens there that is about two people stopping being their own individual selves and start figuring out how to actually become a couple. And there, there's a level of how do we actually do that that has stages attached to it. You become engaged and go through that process of figuring all of that out and, and go through a level of preparation to actually move into the state of married. And you actually have the marriage ceremony and then you have the celebration, you have the community around you, all guiding and supporting you in terms of moving you into your new state. But it's that process of engagement that's the liminal space of, I am no longer now just me, we are us, figuring out how to be us, graduating into that acknowledged ceremony of now we have actually become a couple. And what was really interesting about the pandemic and COVID-19, and this Susan, this goes back to the first conversation we had that was really the beginning of that, as opposed to where we are now. This is its own liminal space. And, you know, we talked about three years ago was people were really desperate to get back to the normal that they'd had. And at the time, we were dealing with lockdowns, we were dealing with still on the verge of waiting for vaccines to be released. We were dealing with masking expectations. We were dealing with restrictions on travel. And so all of a sudden we were in, we were in this situation where all of us became liminal at exactly the same time. And all of us became liminal where there was no outside guiding force to take us through this transition of how do we actually do that? Mark, you've talked a little bit about using a framework for change that looks at change and how it affects people viscerally. And you mentioned that people will adapt at different speeds, and this will change where they are on the threshold or in the liminal space. Can you expand on this for our listeners and talk about what it means in relation to the pandemic? Absolutely. I mean, like, the interesting thing about liminality is... Think about it like you get up in the morning and you walk down to the lake and there's a canoe tied up and it's a cool morning. There's heavy fog on the lake, but you need to get to the other side. And getting into that canoe and pushing away from shore, you are going to very quickly get to a point where you have no idea where you are relative to where you come from and where you're going. And that's a really good illustration of what the liminal space is about. It's about moving into a process of transition where you're letting go of your previous identity and moving towards something new. And in doing that, you are navigating through the fog of unknown where you don't know where you are and you don't know how you're doing and you're hoping that you're making forward progress. 
But what's fundamental to it is in order to successfully move forward, you have to let go of where you previously were. You are not going to make any progress until you push away from the shore. And this is the challenge. And this is the really interesting thing. At the time that Susan and I spoke three years ago, it was about we were struggling to let go of who we had been because we moved into this new, very real thing that is a global pandemic that's not going away. And everybody was desperate to get back to their previous normal. Today, three years on, everybody is still desperate to get back to their previous normal. We haven't actually let go of the idea that things are different. We haven't actually acknowledged the idea that things are different. We've let go of that and gone back to, I can pretend everything's fine and I can just live my life. And the challenge with that is it's not fine. We just all stop talking about it. And statistics aren't getting published. Public health guidance isn't being given. There isn't direction and understanding of what is the prevalence and rates of infection. We don't understand hospitalizations. We don't understand deaths because nobody is actually talking about it. Those statistics exist, I'm sure, somewhere. But to actually get reasonable guidance on how to actually deal with COVID is really difficult. I had a colleague of mine who... Went to a conference, got on a plane, went to the States, spent several days there, came back, contracted COVID. Friday was day 15. And it is the sickest he has ever been in his entire life. And the challenge that we're dealing with right now is there is a massive prevalence of the cases that we're dealing with are massively increasing. And this potentially is going to be a very difficult winter. And everybody's pretending everything's fine. So there are, we think about the concept of liminality, there are a bunch of people basically clinging to the shore of what used to be three and a half years ago. There are a number of people floating around the lake, desperately looking for guidance about how to actually be successful going forward. And a handful of people that may have made it to the other side, but there are very few and they're very far between. And that is a very complex place for a society at large to be. That's so fascinating. And when you say... I do agree with your observations when you say we've stopped talking about it. Why do you think that is? Fear? I think part of it's fear, part of it's fatigue, part of it's politicization. I have no idea how and why this happened, but all of a sudden, belief, acknowledgement, doing something about COVID became a division of the right and the left. And that is its own baffling reflection of how populism is rising at all levels of government from federal all the way down to municipal and, and, and we see that a lot and maybe that's a whole other podcast we can talk about but the reality is that it's become socially unacceptable to talk about it and and i'll be perfectly honest every time someone says oh so this person won't be in today they're sick my immediate assumption is you say it's a cold but it's probably covid and and that actually isn't a valid assumption either it could well be a cold it could be a hangover it could be COVID, but but the, the, the reality is even when people come down with it, they don't talk about and acknowledge having it. But more importantly, our, and, and this goes back to the idea of liminality, the idea that was a guided journey. You had someone who was in a position of seniority, an elder within the community, a and whether that was shaman or that is priest or that is community leader, or that is politician, or that is 
public health leader, you you have someone with expertise and wisdom and guidance that is providing direction and support and helping to facilitate how do we actually navigate this journey. And what we're seeing, particularly now in the last year and a half, is a complete abdication or sometimes absolute suppression of that role. And so we are all left adrift because we're not being provided with the guidance and support that we need to be able to make it through this transition. That's a key observation there about public health and the important role public health had throughout the first phase of the pandemic when we were really in the emergency phase that we could look to those people for guidance. Is it safe to have people in the office? What do we need to do? What are the numbers out there? How dangerous is this for people? How do we keep everybody safe? And I think the assumption that once we had that information, we'd be fine to navigate it on our own. I think that's that was probably a dangerous assumption because, as you said, the truth is we are still in a pandemic. The emergency phase may be over, the official emergency phase, but it's still something very real that people are dealing with in the community and something that poses a really a very real threat, especially for people who have immunocompromised situations. You talked about how people are navigating through and they don't want to let go. So whether we want to let go or not, I think it's clear to me anyway that going through something like this changes people, right? Because it shifts your perspective on things. It makes you see things a different way, different possibilities, and lots of examples that we can see of that in the pandemic from technology to working arrangements and so on. What do you see as some of the long-lasting societal and cultural changes that uh, we can attribute to the pandemic-induced liminal space, if you will? That's a complex question. It's a great question. And it's multifaceted because part of it is, and I acknowledge this as I was actually saying, that idea of being guided, people that have a level of wisdom and expertise. And the thing is, we live in a society right now where expertise is looked down on, shunned, rejected. I'm not sure which word you, you introduced me as having a PhD. That may have actually just completely alienated me to have for your audience. But, um, but, the, but the thing is there that part of the impact is, and people look at this, is we got guidance that was wrong. I'm sure you did, because the entire world was actually figuring it out and figuring out what we're dealing with. It was only, I think, six or eight months in that there was absolute recognition of it being airborne because again we got to the problem of definitions there was a belief that it couldn't be because there were different definitions of what airborne actually looked like and the research that was originally being done and the assertions that were being made were based upon uh, and i don't remember the specifics of it but basically that it was impossible that this could be airborne because of needing to be of a particular size and it was like only when they actually went back and challenged the definition and what it was screening out that they actually were able to acknowledge and recognize no this is truly airborne everything we're doing in terms of you have to sanitize and wipe things down without isopropyl alcohol and rub your hands and wash your hands for 20 seconds still good idea by the way didn't do as much as just wearing a mask 
But the problem that we have here in terms of the long term is and that idea of liminality. Again, that liminality came back to as a community event. It was a community recognition of the individual transition. And what we're dealing with in terms of a lot of people is I don't think they've made the liminal journey through. And if, if I'm honest, I'm not sure I have completely. I am in many instances living with not I've let go of who I was, I, but I'm very conscious of working hard to not actually get COVID and at the same time needing to be out in the world and needing to be working with clients and needing to be a functioning human being and trying to be able to manage my risk around that. And so I live a very different life today than I did three and a half and four years ago. But would I say I am in a routine where I have accepted this new identity? No, I have not. I am very unsettled and very unhappy about it and not wanting to do it. But at the same time, I'm looking out for the people that are around me. And this is the thing. I think for a lot of people that just want it to be over, it's about, I want what I want. And I think it's just a cold and I haven't suffered badly from it. So I'm going to engage in whatever behaviors that I choose because I want my life back. And I get the, I want my life back, but the challenge there is, well, what responsibility do you have to the people that are around you? What responsibility do you have to the rest of your community? What about the people that are immunocompromised and that this would be a significant challenge if they were actually to get COVID in terms of not their ability to be able to function, but their ability to live? And what shared responsibility do we have to each other to try to help keep each other safe. And that is, I think, the big thing that we haven't really wrestled with and are not wrestling with. And I think that's probably the saddest, both legacy, but also reflection of where we are as a society right now. And I think we really need to, to think about, is that the kind of society and the kind of community that we want to be living in? Thank you, Mark, for the, those insightful comments. And one thing I'd like to ask, how do you find this impacts local government, either negatively or positively? That is a really interesting question. I think there's a bunch of different levels there. Because local government is, again, where services are most directly delivered and where impact of government is most directly experienced. And I think there's an opportunity and an ability for local government to actually play a fairly strong influence in continuing to be able to support, recognizing and acknowledging this isn't over and that we need to take care of each other and we need to look after the community as a whole. It's changed a lot around how governments function and how governments uh, deliver their services. We've seen changes to enacting legislation so that you can actually have meetings over Zoom as opposed to actually needing to cram everybody into council chambers. You've see also seen, and we're now dealing with the backlash around that, the allowing of where it's possible, municipal employees to work from home, and now encouraging on some level a return to the workforce, whether that's part of the week or just a mandate of now it's going to be all the week. And the reality is, for many people, having had the opportunity to be able to experience working at home and having the flexibility to be able to do that, many don't want to give that up. And many, just in terms of being able to manage their own exposure and their own risk, uh, are really uncomfortable having to go to a workplace that's full of people that 
are not necessarily wearing a mask, not necessarily governing their behavior in terms of risk of exposure, that feels like a very uncomfortable and very unwelcoming place. And so I think the other thing, and, and municipal governments, yes, but organizations as a whole need to think about is what obligation do we also owe to our employees to actually not just keep them safe, but also keep them feeling safe and welcome and valued in whatever role they play and however they're able to play their role. So I had a, a follow-up question. Maybe you've already answered it there um, around the uh, psychological and emotional impacts on individuals and communities as a result of living through such an extended period of uh, liminality. And I don't know if it's surprising to you, but I was surprised to see the number of colleagues taking early retirements. I tried that myself for a while. I couldn't make it stick, but obviously some impacts on the workforce and how are municipalities going to have to uh, grapple with that? That becomes its own really interesting thing, because you're right. The, there are a number of people that have, as a result of the pandemic, either fundamentally chosen to change their lifestyle, change what it is they do. Many have chosen to retire. And so you're seeing a lot of very senior, very talented, very capable people removing themselves from the workforce. And so one of the interesting things around that is, and this trend was already here before the pandemic happened. I just think the pandemic's exacerbated it is there there's a real you know it's really is a consequence of this goes back to the global financial crisis in the late 2000s and either the layoffs or the lack of hirings that didn't happen there there's a real gulf in municipalities between you have some very senior talented capable people at the top and you have a lot of relatively new people but the actual development of a progression of people working through the organization gaining qualification and being able to actually move up and move into positions of leadership, positions of authority, positions of responsibility. I know a lot of municipalities, and particularly smaller ones, are really struggling with that because they don't have the depth of staff to be able to deal with some of the succession planning they need to be able to manage and are going to have to manage over the course of the next two, three, five, ten years. So I think that, and this is something that I think the entire municipal sector is going to need to deal with rather than any one individual municipality is how do we train the municipal leaders of the future where in many cases you're starting from the ground up again and needing to be able to attract and bring people into and have people want to come into the municipal space to be able to serve their communities and it's like it's working in municipalities is an awesome place i love municipalities because they are all over the map they don't have any one specialization. You have an organization where you have social services, you have community services, you have parks and recreation, you have public health programs, you have mental health programs, you have fire, you have police, you have ambulance, you have uh, municipal serving, you have public works, you have who builds an organization that has all of that inside of it? It is completely illogical and it is an amazingly complicated thing to run. And that's what's fun about it. But getting people that can actually successfully function in that context is hard. And I think that there's a real growing both need for expertise, but figuring out how to actually be able to build it where the pipelines are not full right now. And there's a need for very capable people very quickly that 
is going to be a big challenge to be able to train and build up. So true. Mark, we really appreciate your time this morning and we thank you very much. We could talk to you for hours, but we know how valuable your time is. So thank you very much from Susan and I. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us in the Local Gov Cafe. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to share on social media or tell a friend. And we hope you'll join us next time as we welcome our next guest. You won't want to miss it. Thank you.